it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So Jake Bentley chased and dropped the 15-yard line. Roquan, the chef, Smith. <laughs> Roquan Smith, he's the highlight show of this defense. In the ring, Steamboat's got him up. A slam. But Flair, he's got Peyton Wood, too. He got it. Jonathan Hood, weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Welcome in to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Bleck with Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Abdallah and at Chris Bleck. We are here till 9 o'clock tonight. We're open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. The Cubs won today 6-5 to five over the Padres. The White Sox and the Rays are currently playing. We'll keep you updated throughout the hour on that matchup. And we're under a week until training camp for the Chicago Bears. Things are moving here as the Bears head towards training camp. And one of my favorite parts about listening to Jonathan Hood weeknights at 7 right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app is a segment that he has had uh, going for, I think this is the fifth summer. Fifth or fourth summer now for this summers. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's a segment that uh, he came up with when I was actually executive producing the show here, the night show on ESPN 1000 hosted by Jonathan Hood. The segment is fantastic. And I love tuning in throughout the summer because it gets your fix. It gets your football fix. And the segment is titled. The Summer of Football. Here's the it. Summer of Football. We're just having fun and we're working, baby. With Jonathan Hood. Come on, baby, let's get it. Let's go now. You fired the first shot. Let's go, man. Five starts from deep in their own territory. And it's picked off at the 25-yard line. Eddie Jackson. And he'll go in for the touchdown. We're just having fun and we're working, baby. Pressure now on Mahomes. He's in trouble. Now gets it away. Are you? Barkley up the middle, cuts to the outside. Saquon Barkley across midfield. Standard bounds. And Barkley takes it all the way. Summer of football. Lawrence flips it open. Justin Ross off and running. And Clemson strengthens its grip on this championship game. Williams in the game for the first time this year for Notre Dame. Takes the hand up and takes off. Let's go. The summer of football. You got it. Work. Right here on ESPN 1000. I think we ain't there yet. And the ESPN app. Getting you ready for the football season. It's the summer of football every night at 8 o'clock with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black with Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. So we bring you the summer of football. Why not? 
Tonight's guest, Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report and the Stick to Football podcast on iTunes. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers. And Connor, it's Chris and Adam tonight uh, talking to you here on ESPN 1000. Let's start the conversation here. Uh, all offseason, the story with the Chicago Bears has been this kicker situation ever since Cody Parkey with the double doink and the Bears losing the wild card game. But have the Bears done enough this offseason to address the need of kicker? Are you surprised the Bears are going into camp and this is still a story? A little bit. I think when there's something like this happens where it's obviously a devastating end to a what I thought was a successful season for Chicago. I think they've really turned this thing around very quickly, a lot faster than people expected. And to lose like that, and then it, it obviously turns the spotlight on it much longer than you would like it to be. I think that's the most important thing is that whenever the Bears line up for a big kick, not in the regular season, but now in the preseason and maybe even training camp, but more importantly, probably in preseason games, it it feels like that's what everyone's going to be glued to. So I am a little surprised it's gone on this long. Hopefully it's something that washes away very quickly because this team can be very successful if they figure out some special teams problems. I feel like in the era of the NFL that we're in, we're used to getting a lot of false information or no information at all from coaches. You know, in Chicago here, when we had John Fox, he gave nothing to the media. Bill Belichick gives nothing to the media. I feel like the Bears are kind of doing themselves almost a disservice by giving all this information about the kicker and how they're doing it, how they're having them all kick from a certain point where Cody Parkey missed and how they're going through and they're giving you everybody's details and how we don't know who our kicker is going into camp. Are they doing themselves a disservice by giving out this much information to people? Yeah, I didn't love the parky note that they basically lined people up and had to reenact that in a sense <laughs> to see who can step up to the pressure. I don't think it's a big deal because I think in a way, and this might seem weird, but it almost shows the confidence that comes out of that locker room. And, and honestly, it, it, you could buy into that falsely from whether it's media reports or a lot of blogs these days or just general hype, but on Stick the Football Bleacher Report, we've been lucky enough where we've now talked to, in the last two months, both Mitch Trubisky and Allen Robinson. And it just seems like there's a different feeling with this team. And it's not an arrogance with why they're letting these things out. It's really not. It's, it's more of a, hey, we got a year together now. And we love this coaching staff. We're happy to be here. We felt like we had our foot on the gas last year. But now we're going into camp with our foot on the gas. So, I think there's a different confidence with these guys, and that's because of the coaching staff. And it's a good thing right now. If it lingers, it won't be. It'll be the first thing everyone writes about. But I think every franchise is very, very unique. And I think that's just how this Chicago franchise in this era is going to be. Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report and the Stick to Football podcast on iTunes. You can follow him on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers, joining Chris Black and Ab Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So we take a look at the second biggest storyline here in Chicago, Connor, and it's the development of Mitch Trubisky. You mentioned it, second year of this offense with Matt Nagy. Trubisky, will he be able to take that next step and turn this offense into an elite offense in the NFL? I think so, just because I think there's still multiple, and that's what Nagy Listen, he comes in last year, and it was very, very impressive. And I think a lot of us expected there to be, obviously, an improvement with Mitch. I thought it was a pretty drastic improvement. Now, I think in year three, you'll see a guy that I don't want to say he was along for the ride last year, but I don't know how many times he was necessarily asked to put the load on his shoulders. I think this year he'll be ready for that. And you'll see 
not just the guy that they want to manage the game, but the guy that can go out and win you some games. You saw really from year one to two with Goff under McVay. I think that's a really good comparison there where you look at what Jared Goff has done under McVay. I think you're going to see the same thing with Trubisky here with Nagy. So when it comes down to it for me, I just like the personnel of this offense. I think a lot of defenses have tried to adjust over recent years, whether they want to cover the spread, they want more speed at linebacker, they get smaller and faster, or some in some divisions you've got to really bulk up and be able to stop the power offenses. I think when you look at the Bears offense, you're going to see something different every week, and you're going to see adjustments at halftime when they have to make them. And that's what happens when you have a guy like Tariq Cohen that is truly just a versatile chess piece kind of weapon, a new face in there, David Montgomery, who gets typecasted as this workhorse running back, but he's a really, really good receiver, too, for a running back. I don't understand why a lot of people don't realize that. Maybe they don't watch a lot of Iowa State games, but Montgomery can catch the ball, and when you have those two guys on the field together, it's going to leave defenses guessing. Like I said earlier, Allen Robinson, he's ready to go this year. They have some young receiving depth, which is nice, whether it's Anthony Miller and Riley Ridley, Trey Burton at tight end. The Bears are going to be one of those teams where, and not a lot of teams in the NFL do this, where you come into the game plan trying to stop them, and you can't just circle one guy, and that's very, very frustrating for defenses. Can Allen Robinson be the ideal number one wide receiver with a healthy year coming into training camp and a second year with Trubisky and uh, Matt Nagy? Yeah, I think in this offense he can. He's not going to be asked to be Julio Jones. That's not what he's going to be. He's not going to ask to be Hopkins. He's going to be asked to handle that number one role, but there's enough targets around him where he doesn't always have to take this ridiculous volume workload week after week where – teams are just going to be forced to double him and erase him. You really can't do that. And that's what opens up the door for Robinson to have number one wide receiver type numbers. I think when you look at what the Rams have done, really a lot of different mouths have been fed there, whether it was Cooper Cup. Now I know he got hurt. Robert Woods has been phenomenal. Brandon Cooks is phenomenal. I mean, those guys are all talented, but Allen Robinson is just as talented as those guys. It's not like the talent is there to be a number one. And in this offense, he even said it himself. He said, you know, I was, I was good to go last year. He goes, but this year when – when you have everything you know, in your pocket, you know how everything is going to go, the system, you understand that, the connection with Trubisky, that, that's different, and that's something really, really special. So I'm expecting big things from him this year, and I know for a fact he's expecting really big things for himself. Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report in the Stick to Football podcast on iTunes, talking with Chris Buck and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So the Bears defense led the National Football League in turnovers last year with 36. They actually had five more than the next team, the Browns at 31. Usually that's not a stat that you can guarantee the following year will duplicate. Do you think the Bears defense will be able to have the turnover ratio that they had last season? It depends what kind of steps Mitch takes, honestly, in terms of the ratio, because I think he'll throw more touchdowns, and I don't think the Bears' defense will be able to replicate that exact number because it's such an alarming number. But I think they could hover close to it, and that's the most important thing to note here. When you have somebody on the back end of the defense like Eddie Jackson that simply capitalizes on quarterback mistakes, that's not going away. He didn't luck into those interceptions. And you have a front seven that didn't get worse. If anything, they're going to be better because Khalil Mack will be full throttle going into this year. He wasn't last year. He just simply you know, needed to build up that stamina and get back into game shape, and he'll be healthy going into this year. I mean, whether it's Keem Hicks, I mean, they have a lot of talent across the board. I can't wait to see Roquan Smith. When you have that kind of a racer at linebacker, somebody that can take away the flats, 
or run the seam against tight ends, it really leaves a lot of opportunities for everyone else. And that goes back to Jackson being a ball hawk. It goes back to the guys in the front seven putting their hand in the dirt and getting upfield and forcing bad decisions from the, op- the opposition. So, like I said, it's really hard to duplicate that number, replicate that number. But when it comes down to it, do I think this defense is going to take a step back? I really do not. On Bleacher Report, I believe you picked the Bears to win the division. How do you see the rest of the divisions uh, shaking out? Yeah, I did. I had them at 12-4. and four. I think this is one of the better divisions in football in terms of pure talent. I had Green Bay at 11-5. and five. I do think they'll be back in the postseason this year, which is it's going to be fascinating between these two. I still think Chicago right now is the better team, and a lot of that really has to do with coaching. I mean, it, they're a world apart between Nagy and LaFleur. That's the big one for me. So I think the Bears win the division at 12-4, and four, Green Bay 11-5. and five. I'm actually not buying into Minnesota. I had them at 7-9. and nine. I know that upset a lot of Minnesota fans, but I think they have a kind of an issue there where they've built out a fantastic roster. They have two glaring holes, and they're two holes that really deplete teams all the time. The quarterback has not won a big game yet, and he doesn't have a run game to lean on. So when those two things are gone, now a lot of people there believe with the new coaching staff hires on the offensive side of the ball that they'll fix it. I'm a little more skeptical in this division of them doing that. So Minnesota at seven and nine, and then I have the Lions really at three and 13. I could see them winning four and five games because Matt Patricia is going to play everyone tough, but I think we're going to see an entire new front office and coaching staff in Detroit after this season. Is 11 and five enough to satisfy Packers fans with all the talk about the, the issues between LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers? I think that's what it'll come down to. I think it'll satisfy them if we see a rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers working with the coach. I don't know if that will happen. I guess you can call me a skeptic. I'm pretty shocked by this hire, guys. Let's just be simple as that. I I had heard LaFleur was struggling as an offensive coordinator, which is kind of crazy that he got a head coaching job. And then with how young he is, you expect him to work with a guy like Aaron Rodgers that Let's be real. He's going to do what he wants. That's how he's going to check out of things. That's, he's going to do what he wants. He, he thinks he's smarter than the coach. I love Aaron Rodgers. He thinks he's smarter than the coach. In this case, we're going to find out if he is. So Green Bay fans, I think they'll be happy with the win total and getting back into the postseason. But they're always going to be very, very cautious of this relationship now with the quarterback and a new head coach that simply might be in over his head. We're going to find out very quickly. But I think, I think it was a little early for LaFleur to get a job that puts that kind of demands on you. That's the one he took in Green Bay. Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report in the Stick to Football podcast, joining Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You know, the one thing that I look at with the Packers, and you talked offensively with the quarterback and the head coach and that relationship, but they spent a lot of draft capital and a lot of free agency money on defense. Do you think that Packers defense is going to be good enough to at least allow that quarterback-head coach relationship to develop and to compete for a playoff spot? I think it's going to be solid. I liked some of the moves. I didn't love the Rashawn Gary pick. I, I really didn't. I think that was the so-so kind of reach up there. He's very raw. If you think he's coming in and getting you 10 to 12 sacks, it, you got the wrong guy. I just can't see that off the bat. Now, it's funny. Their other first-round pick, Darnell Savage, is a phenomenal player on the back end, and you guys know that they spent some money for the back end of that defense and free agency by signing Adrian Amos. So, when it comes down to it, they made a lot of good moves. They spent a lot of money on pass rushers, not just drafting Rashawn Gary. They have some young corners there that, honestly, it's going to be make or break for the Packers' defense is these corners. Is Josh Jackson going to develop? He was taken in the second round, but a lot of people thought he was a first-round talent. He looked a little lost last year. 
Jair Alexander is phenomenal, but he's been a guy going back to Louisville and, and really even last year a little bit, he gets banged up. He's a small corner. He plays hard. He plays feisty. The style of play and his body type, he gets banged up. When he's on the field, he could be a top 10 corner in the NFL easily. So that's a volatile kind of precedent that they have there in Green Bay on the defense and the secondary where a lot of things can go right and you could have a top 12 unit or a lot of things can go wrong and it could put a lot more pressure back on that pass offense with Aaron Rodgers. You also picked the Ravens to win the AFC North. How much is that? How much of that is confidence in Lamar Jackson? It's really a lot of confidence in the veterans that they have there on both sides of the ball. And I think Lamar Jackson showed that he can do enough to get by last year. And I, you expect him to grow as a passer this year. And there's a couple of things that factor into that. One, I think he has the raw talent to do it. He's never going to be a top 10 passer in the NFL. That's not his game. His running threat is always going to be the most important thing. But having Hollywood Brown, uh, Lamar Jackson, he's not a guy that's going to look to tear you up in the intermediate kind of game. He's going to look to throw the ball down the field or, or really keep things short. So I think they made a lot of smart additions. I think they have the best secondary in football. They have two great corners, and Earl Thomas and Tony Jefferson on the back end are probably the best safety duo in the NFL, assuming Earl is, is full go and healthy and, and ready to be back. And they're going to run the ball a lot, and they have speed now with Hollywood Brown, who, who needs to get on the field. So they're a team with question marks, but – if anything, they've really done a lot around their quarterback to keep things going in the right direction in that division like they did last year. Connor Rogers from Bleach Report uh, reporting on the NFL, talking football with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So the AFC North, that's such an interesting division here in the offseason because I feel if the Ravens can just stay steady, everything else around them will kind of fall apart. And the team that I'm specifically talking about are the Cleveland <laughs> yep. Browns. They have all the talent, all the hype, and everything going for them in the offseason. But, Connor, you know that usually in the offseason, if you make a lot of noise in the National Football League, that doesn't necessarily turn into victories once we get into the season. Without a doubt. And, guys, I feel like I'm the last person on planet Earth that, to not be picking the Browns to win this division. <laughs> and I love everything they've done. They've built a great roster. I was a huge Baker Mayfield in that draft class. When it comes down to it, I think it's kind of insane that they've become this consensus winner of the division where the Steelers aren't going anywhere. Now, the Steelers might be an 8, 9, 10-win kind of team this year, not the 12-win team that we're so used to in previous years before. But you look at – you just nailed it with Baltimore. Just steady. The guy at the top, their head coach, he's steady. He knows what it takes to get them to win games. And they have a really, really great locker room presence in terms of – They have a backfield that can handle the run game, the high demands of the run game. They have a really good offensive line that nobody talks about for whatever reason. They have a lot of great players on defense. Even after losing a guy like C.J. Mosley, that was the captain, they still have a lot of great players there. So you look at the Browns, and there's a lot of question marks still for this team. It's one of those things where we love the Browns in terms of the flash, and I do think they're very, very good on paper. Acquiring Odell Beckham, having a guy like Baker Mayfield that's bold and brash, they have a really, really good backfield in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That's just ridiculous. And that's not even talking about Duke Johnson. Jarvis Landry's still there. So the offensive line, it has holes. And Baker Mayfield, he was sacked a lot last year. So that didn't get better. That's my point here. They actually traded one of the best guards in football to the New York Giants. So when it, And they have a great front seven. So there's holes with the Browns. I'm fascinated to see the chemistry there because it's a lot of personalities. I don't think they're going to be bad this year. I really don't. I think I had them taking one of those wild card spots. But to say they're going to take over from Baltimore right now, I'm just not that confident. 
A team that I am super high on this season is I love the Chargers. I think they have a stacked defense. Philip Rivers has great weapons, but will they be able to get over the rest of the AFC, the rest the Chiefs, the Patriots? Will they be able to take that step and get to a Super Bowl this year? Yeah, so I had them taking the other wild card spot. I had Cleveland and the Chargers taking the wild card spots. Now, when you look at Chargers, they're, they're very dangerous even as a wild card because you know they can go into the postseason and beat anyone. Now, of course, they've had so many problems of getting over that hump. I, I really don't think they're better than the Chiefs right now, especially with Tyreek Hill not facing any kind of suspension. That's gigantic. Uh, the Chiefs only got better by adding Frank Clark. Now, the backfield's going to be interesting, but the Chargers are really, really good. I think they have some premier talent on defense now. I mean, Derwin James is a star. They have really good corners. They, they have guys in the middle. They took Jerry Tillery in the first round. We know what this offense can do. they got to figure out the Melvin Gordon situation, but Austin Eckler has stepped in and played really well uh, when Gordon's been hurt. So I'm a believer in the Chargers. I think they get into that wild card spot. I think it's going to be tough for them to take down a New England or Kansas City. I'm not confident in that right now. So I just don't know if they did enough where you could talk about Super Bowl with them at the moment. Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report in the Stick to Football podcast for on iTunes, talking with Chris Buck and Adam Abdallah right now on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. All right, so we know that each and every time a big-name running back gets a big payday, it usually doesn't turn out well. And Ezekiel Elliott is waiting for his payday. And with the Cowboys, it seems to me like they're stuck in a spot where they're going to have to pay both Dak and Ezekiel, even though it doesn't necessarily feel like Dak is worthy of a top-level contract. And Ezekiel, paying a running back, usually kills the franchise in the future. How do you think this is all going to play out for the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, it is kind of messy right now. And the crazy thing is, Mari Cooper came in and lit the world on fire, and now he's due for a payday. And Jalen Smith, their star linebacker, will be due for a payday. And the list goes on and on and on. So, I mean, somebody's got to not get the money here, guys, you would assume. You would think. I know we always joke about the salary cap on six football, how it almost becomes manipulated to the point where you don't believe in it. But this is a time where you do. And I think, as crazy as it sounds, everything I've heard is that they will – give Dak Prescott a contract extension, and it's not going to be cheap for the kind of player he's been. That's their guy. So when you're looking at it, you gave all that up for Amari Cooper. You can't let him out the door. They've clearly put their foot in the ground and said they're getting something done with Dak. The Zeke situation I do not think is going to get better anytime soon. Now, what I've always heard with their plan with Zeke is because of, you know, he's had some weird problems off the field, nothing insane, but definitely some questionable decisions at times. And the nature of the position is that he was a first round pick. They have the fifth year option. They'd play out his four years, put the fifth year option on him, see where things go and use the franchise tag. If we had to guys, who does that sound like? It sounds like Le'Veon Bell all over again. I know he didn't have the fifth year option, but Le'Veon said, no, I'm not doing that anymore. And I think Zeke saw that play out and is trying to get ahead of the game. Now people thought he would pull the Melvin Gordon route, and do the holdout before his fifth-year option season started. He's a year early on that. So Zeke is seeing how this all plays out. And the Cowboys have said, hey, we're going to take care of you next year. He shocked the world by saying, no, that's not the deal. And he's trying to power play. Now, he won't accrue a season if he doesn't show up in time in early August. So I think he actually folds before the team does. But I, I would be really surprised if the Cowboys come out and make him the highest-paid running back in the league right now this summer 
Yeah, and you know, the thing that I think is uh, crazy is like, I get that quarterbacks are going to, each quarterback that comes up for a contract will be the biggest contract in NFL history. Like, I get that. And I understand the the way the, the Cowboys are sitting. They got to pay Dak because he's a quarterback and it's just what you do in the NFL. But really, Zeke makes Dak work. Like, they go hand in hand offensively. So, like, it, it's a tough spot to look at yourself because you kind of have to pay both. Yeah, it's very tricky. It's really, really tricky, especially when you look at the Amari Cooper situation there on the back burner. It gets even more difficult because yeah. I saw a recent graphic, and I regret that I don't remember who it was from, but they were talking about the highest-paid you know, triplets in the NFL. And you look at the money that the Packers have between Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I think they were second. Atlanta was first because they have Matt Ryan, Devontae uh, Freeman, and Julio Jones. It's tough to do that these days where you're in that top five. Everybody wants the rookie quarterback scale. Once you get past that, you cheap out on the running back. That's what you do. You, you pay the wide receiver if you have one, which they do. They have one of uh, a number one in the league. And Zeke just feels like the odd man out. But you guys nailed it. I mean, Zeke is what has made Dak work. Now, I do believe that running backs can be replaceable at times. There's a couple guys in the league that aren't. I, I mean, you look at Todd Gurley when he was healthy. He was one of those guys. I, I don't think Lev is replaceable as everyone else does. I really think we'll see that eventually over time, how great he is. It, obviously, Melvin Gordon believes he's not replaceable, but Eckler's played well. But I think with Zeke, that's not the case. I think Zeke is a guy that they need him there for this to flourish, and they're not just going to go into the draft next year in the fourth or fifth round and find his replacement. Connor, thank you. We appreciate it. Oh, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. That's Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report and the Stick to Football podcast on iTunes. You can follow him on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Singing for Jonathan Hood tonight, we continue the football conversation with Charles McDonald from SB Nation. He's an NFL writer. More football talk coming up next right here on ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. This week right now, you know, we, the competition level is, is, is set really high. You know, we've been going at it, you know, these last few weeks because Nega had to step in and talk to the O-line and D-line. Like, all right, you love it, but just coming down and not. So for us right now, just to get away, you know, get your mind off of it, but still work. You know, uh, Coach Pagano, he just told us he wanted everyone to watch a film hour a day. So little things like that, and when you come back, you just get back rolling again. And, you know, we, we still got that taste in our mouth from that, that first-round playoff game. So that's just fuel to our fire. That was Eddie Jackson last week, Bears Safety. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Sing in for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can hear Jonathan coming up later tonight with Frey Coleman right here on ESPN 1000. We're here till 9 o'clock tonight. If you want to join the conversation, you can call us at 312-332-3776. We now continue our football conversation tonight with SB Nation NFL writer Charles McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter at 4Verts. On Twitter at Four Verts, Charles McDan uh, McDonald joins Chris and Adam tonight. What's up, Charles? Uh, not too much. You know, it's blazing hot in DC, but outside of that, training camp is in the air. You know, it's it's a it's a wonderful time of year outside of the heat. Yeah, it's amazing. Bears report the camp next week, so we're all getting ready for football. And as we get things started here, you take a look at the Bears in this off season. What do you expect for the Chicago Bears heading into this next season? You know. The the Chicago Bears, they're kind of in a similar situation that the Jacksonville Jaguars were two years ago, coming off of that AFC Championship loss against the Patriots, where, you know, by pretty much every measure you can look at, you're coming off a season where you have an all-time great defense. I mean, just in terms of sacks, yards allowed, 
turnovers, uh, turnovers converted into touchdowns. I mean, this is one of like an all-time great unit. And I don't know if you remember that in the moment, but, you know, that's how we should be talking about what the Bears did last season. And, you know, you kind of had an offense that was – it had its moments, but overall when you look at all the numbers, you kind of look at how they just performed on offense. It was kind of a, an average mediocre unit. And you kind of got to look at it from this perspective. It's going to be almost impossible, just statistically speaking, for the Bears to, to repeat what they did on defense last year. You kind of need the offense to make strides where the defense is going to naturally regress and still probably be a top five unit, but, you know, not 36 turnovers and all those touchdowns and all those sacks. So that's one thing that I'm really looking forward to. You know, can Mitch Trubisky in year two and Matt Nagy without Vic Fangio, can they take that next step on offense to kind of make up for just a natural regression you're going to see on defense? How important is it for Mitchell Trubisky to take that step, uh, that next step, for as far as his long-term contract here in Chicago? Because the second year under Matt Nagy, we see the comparisons to other quarterbacks around the league, especially to Patrick Mahomes, who he was drafted in front of. How important it is for him to take that next step uh, next season uh, with his second year with uh, Matt Nagy? Yeah, I think it's huge. Because uh, now, you know, let's say he struggles or puts up pedestrian numbers again next year, now you're talking about year three where you haven't really seen that this guy is going to be like the franchise quarterback, a guy that you want to tie your future to. So, I, you know, I think this year is huge. And it, it's really big for him in comparison when you look at what Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson have done. I mean, you know, I, I think that, you know, Mahomes obviously has been amazing MVP, first year as a starter, blah, 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 blah. And, and Watson came out the gates uh, in those six games as a rookie and set records and then, comes back this year as another really strong year and helps lead Texas to the playoffs, even behind just a putrid offensive line. So, you know, you're going to start hearing whispers like, did the Bears take the wrong quarterback? Uh, and, you know, you really want to see that step in year three to make you feel a little bit better about making him the long-term guy. And, you know, you've seen flashes of it. I mean, that last uh, one of the last drives in that playoff game versus the Eagles, uh, you know, he was fantastic. You see, like, snippets of it, but he still hasn't quite put it together as a complete quarterback yet. Charles McDonald from SB Nation, NFL writer. You can follow him on Twitter at 4Verts on Twitter, 4Verts. Uh, Charles, it's Chris Bluck and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You know what's funny about that is you bring up the drive at the end where Trubisky looked awesome. And the one thing that Adam and I have debated with many listeners and, and people on Twitter and social media as well is like, yeah, but did you see the first three quarters? Because Trubisky right. does have flashes, and there are games where he looks really good and like he's taking the next step, and then he has moments where he misses a running back in the flat by 20 yards. And and I think the thing that many of us here in Chicago look at is there are people in this city who are very high on Trubisky, but yet the national media keeps telling us otherwise. And I think that's a reality check for many people who live in Chicago is that the rest of the nation, they look at Trubisky and they kind of look at him like, huh, I'm not quite sold on this guy yet. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, that comparison between, you know, just the natural draft class comparison between Trubisky, Mahomes, and Watson, it, it's going to be there. And especially when you think the Bears, they've traded up to number two to get him, it, you know, one pick. I don't really think that's a big deal as much people are, were making of it. But, you know, technically you did trade up for him. And you just see the production that Mahomes and Watson have had. I don't think, you know, whether you're a Bears fan or not, I don't think that anyone could say that 
he's lived up to or really even gotten close to being, you know, that bona fide number two overall pick, like a guy that's supposed to come in and save your franchise. And, you know, I think this year is just going to be fascinating for that Bears team because one thing that, you know, I made the comparison to the Jaguars earlier, but I will say that this Bears offense has a lot more talent on it than that Jaguars offense did coming into the last season where, you know, I think Tariq Cohen's a better player than Leonard Fournette and uh, the running back that they drafted from Iowa State. Uh, Montgomery. I'm blanking on that. Yeah, David Montgomery. You know, Allen Robinson, now you're going to get him two years removed from an ACL tear, so that should be a big, uh, a big jump. I thought Taylor Gabriel had a really good fit in Matt Nagy's team. So, you know, it's not like he can't do it. I think he definitely has the talent to do it. And now you, you, you come into year two just a little bit more familiar a familiar. Hopefully you can get guys like James Daniels off the line to come and take that next step. You know, it, it's just like the talent's there. It's just kind of like, are you going to make it happen? And, you know, I, I understand why Bears fans are high on him because he's, he might be like just the most naturally talented quarterback that they've had in a, a long time, but the consistency is not there yet. How good can this wide receiver core be? You mentioned Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, the addition of Riley Ridley. How good can they be for Trubisky? Yeah, I mean, those three, uh, plus, you know, Anthony Miller and even a guy like uh, Javon Wims. I mean, it's, it's as far as, like, young, talented receiver cores go, it's one of the best in the league. I mean, maybe they don't have, you know, like a Tyreek Hill game-breaker talent like that, but you have, a guy that, you have guys that can do a little bit of everything. I mean, Al Robinson can go out and get those vertical passes. Taylor Gabriel can make plays after the catch. And even for, like, a five. Seven five eight guy, he can go up and make those big plays and contested catches. Then you got Anthony Miller, who's a red zone monster uh, in college, and I think he can still be that in the NFL too. So you know, Riley Ridley's a guy. I think he kind of fits in perfectly because he, he's one of those guys. That's, it's you know, jack of all trades for master of none. Where you know you see the savvy route running, but you know for some reason the statistical output just wasn't there from at Georgia, but. You slot him in as a wide receiver four, probably in this offense with those three guys stacked ahead of him. I think it's a really nice group of receivers too. And you know, I I still like the skill set that Trey Burton has, and you're going to get that explosive receiving weapon out the backfield with Tariq Cohen. I mean, there's a lot of, of options for them to go with on offense. It's just, are you going to be able to do it week in week out, drive in drive out, play in play out? And that's really what we haven't seen that Bears offense do yet. Charles McDonald from SB Nation, NFL writer, joining Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. A team I think some Bears fans will pay attention to this season. I think it's the Denver Broncos because Vic Fangio is now their head coach. He was here with Chicago as a defensive coordinator last year. Did you guys see this, uh, that he has banned music from Broncos practices at training camp this season because he claims (laughs) that there's no music in games. So why would there be music playing during practice? Is there anyone more fun and ridiculous than Vic Fangio in the NFL? I don't know. I mean, but that just sounds like peak, uh, just grouchy defensive coach guy yeah. where, you know, we're going to come in, we're going to be physical and run the ball and we're not going to listen to music, yada, yada, yada. But it's kind of funny. You know, one thing I really like about Fangio is he's not afraid to speak his mind. I don't know if you saw us today on Twitter, but, uh, Mike Pliss, who covers the Broncos, he tweeted out, uh, a quote from Fangio just talking about, you know, Drew Locke and where he is, uh, in terms of his development and, Fangio said, like, straight up, like, this guy's not ready to be an NFL quarterback. Like, he's not even close. And I just kind of, you know, in, in a world where you just get so many cliche crap answers from these coaches, that I like the, the little just uh, hint of honesty that he gives us. So, you know, I'm rooting for Fangio. I think it's going to be interesting to see what he does with that Denver defense because they've got some pieces, too, and the way that Chuck Pagano replaces Fangio. So, you know, th- there's just a lot of moving pieces, and 
Honestly, if we can keep getting more quotes like that, I'm going to keep rooting for Fangio. (laughs) And Charles, you know what's interesting to me is being a millennial, I think it's interesting that Fangio being so much older than what these young players, you you mentioned Drew Locke coming in being told, yeah, kid, you're not a real quarterback yet. You don't really see that with people treating the younger generation like they do. Usually the younger generation is treated with kid gloves, especially in today's day and age. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I just kind of like the way that Fangio looks at it, where if you really want to think about it, when a, if a coach were to really speak his mind on something, there aren't any real consequences that are going to come of that because unless it's something like super duper inflammatory or derogatory, you know, it's not like he's going to lose his job for giving an opinion about a player. It's just kind of like the way that they've been trained to, to, I guess, speak to the media. So, you know, I, I just thought it was kind of funny to see, Someone asked Vic Fangio about Drew Locke, and he just gave a brutally honest opinion, and I like it. And, you know, I, I'm sure Drew Locke probably knows, because, you know, if, if Fangio's being honest about Drew Locke's practice habits or his reps in practice, then Drew Locke probably knows that he might not be ready. So, you know, I, I just I do appreciate him not treating that situation with kick gloves and just telling it like it is. I'm sure Joe Flacco liked it a lot, too, because now he knows. He's, oh, yeah. He's, he's said, huh? How much does Joe Flacco, I mean, the Bears are going to play the, the Broncos, so we're not just doing a Broncos hit, but how much does Joe Flacco have left? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know because, you know, last year after they drafted Lamar Jackson, you know, early in the season, you saw Flash, the old Joe Flacco. Like, I remember that early Thursday night game they had against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and I think he threw something like four touchdowns, and then, and then as the season progressed, you know, you you slowly see him descend back into, oh wait, this is why we spent a first round pick on a quarterback, uh, and then he gets hurt, and Lamar Jackson comes over, and the rest is history. So, I don't really know how much he has left in the tank. You know, this is a guy that seems to already be like dinged up towards the end of the season now, and he's not getting any younger. So, I don't know how, that he has that much left in the tank. Probably like a season or two, but he's clearly not the long term option in Denver. Just the way the contract is set up, since they traded for him, they don't owe any dead cap if they decide to move on from, the, from him at the end of the season. So I think it's probably going to be a one-stop year for him. And uh, they just got to hope that Drew Locke can come in and get this thing going, especially during training camp and uh, during the regular season. Because uh, if Fangio's quotes are any suggestion, he will not be playing any football this year. Charles McDowell, SB Nation NFL writer, joining Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The Eagles are bringing back Darren Sproles on a one-year contract. Am I wrong in thinking that the Eagles have the best roster in the NFC? No. I mean, I, honestly, I think you wouldn't be wrong if you said they had the best roster in the NFL, where you, you just got to look at one thing that I think Howie Rosen has done just such a tremendous job at is he's built a lot of depth and it's not, you know, you, you say depth and it's just like literally guys are on the roster. I mean, we're talking about high end players that can come in and play backup spots where, you know, Jason Peters going to be down on the probably the last year of his career. And if he gets hurt, bam, you got a first round pick and Andre Dillon ready to step in. You know, you have guys all over the offensive line at running back. Now they have Sproles. They already have Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, who you guys are familiar with their defensive front seven is just crazy with all the talent and resources that they've poured in. I mean, Derek Barnett, Josh Twett looks like he's ready to take the next step this year. They signed Malik Jackson from the Jaguars. I mean, when you just look at this roster from top to bottom, it's loaded. And, you know, I really think that the big question with the Eagles is we know that they're going to have the talent. We know they're going to have the coaching with Doug Peterson, uh, who's coming off back-to-back, you know, mini playoff runs with his backup quarterback. It's just will Carson Wentz be able to make it through a full 16-game season? And that's one thing that, the Eagles have to be a little bit concerned about because 
now, you know, it sounds weird to say because I've never really been that high on Nick Foles, but, like, you don't have Nick Foles to fall back on if he gets hurt. Now, you know, the Eagles are pretty high on Nate Sudfield, their other backup quarterback, but he hasn't played in the NFL real. I think he's only thrown, like, 25 total passes. So, you know, it's a super-duper talented team, but we've seen teams come and go with the health of their quarterback, and this feels like one that could be a dice situation if he gets hurt yet again. Are the Patriots going to be a good team because they have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, or are the Patriots going to be a good team because they're in the division with the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Jets? Both. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if you guys saw this thing on Twitter last night, but somebody tweeted the uh, the, la- the the top eight records over the last ten years, and the Patriots are 123 and 37. So you know, like obviously having Brady and Belichick and the way that they just truly build their roster and they don't have any really bad contracts ever. Uh, that helps with that. But, you know, also playing the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins six times a year, you know, most of the time they're going 6-0 and or they'll lose like some random late season game in Miami. That's just inexplicable. Like last year where you lose on that, you know, whatever the hell that Hail Mary or hook and ladder was, uh, that play with Kenyon Drake and Rob Gronkowski got juked out at the end of the play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just like the perfect storm of luck, I guess, where you have like this guy who's playing quarterback, who's Hall of Fame good, willing to take discounts every year. You have a genius coach. You play in a like a cupcake division. It, it just really bodes well for you getting to the playoffs, not only getting to the playoffs, but having number one and number two seed. And if you just kind of look at the recent history of who plays in the Super Bowl, it's almost always either the number one or the number two seed in the AFC. So you can just get to that spot. You have a pretty good chance of making a run because you're, you're guaranteed a home game. And once you get to the AFC championship game, anything can happen. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of a mixture of both. But, man, like p- being able to play those three teams every year is a blessing uh, in itself. Charles, one last one before we let you go. Is there a team you're looking at as could every offseason we, we see that the teams that make the playoffs – one team that we didn't expect to make it always bounces up from fir- from last to first. Is there a team that you're kind of looking at? You're saying, ah, not a lot of people are talking about this team, but they're probably going to make a playoff run. Oh, man. Uh, you know, one team that I think is interesting, I don't know if this really counts as a sleeper team, is uh, the Panthers. I mean, you want to talk about quarterback health, Cam Newton. Like, if he can stay healthy, I think we've seen that he can, even on his down years, he does enough for that offense where he can kind of drag them to the playoffs. Uh, but now, you know, they've got some talent around them. I mean, Curtis Samuel looks like he's ready to break out. DJ Moore, uh, first-round pick, who had a pretty strong rookie year. And what was really excites me about that Panthers team is that defense, where they're going to switch to a 3-4 now. Uh, and they've kind of added, like, the perfect personnel, where they have Don Terry Poe, who we know played nose tackle with the Falcons last year or, or two years ago, and he was a longtime nose tackle for the Chiefs. They already have Kawan Short, who can kind of play uh, any interior spot you need him to. They got their classic penetrator in Gerald McCoy, who can very much still play. They added two edge rushers in the draft, and Brian Burns and Christian Miller. And now you got the, the, the stud inside linebacker duo of Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson. So, you know, it kind of just hinges on those younger guys and Dante Jackson and uh, James Bradbury in the secondary to come and really get this thing going. But I really like the potential of that Panthers team, and that wouldn't be – a surprise to me at all if they bounced back and got like 11 or 12 wins, even in an AFC South where you have to play the Saints and Falcons twice a year. Charles, thank you. We appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 in for Jonathan Hood tonight. Jonathan's coming up next with Freddie Coleman right here on ESPN 1000. 
Thank you to Charles McDonald from uh, SB Nation and Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report talking football. Thanks to Sean Davis for producing the show. Sean, uh, do you think we did a good job, some radio magic, uh, covering the fact that Abdallah hasn't been here for an hour? You just couldn't let it go, huh? Well, I mean, I feel like we should pull back the curtain for those listening through the uh, entire show. Uh, He left at 8 o'clock. You heard Abdallah during the second hour. Yeah, you did. Uh, The magic of radio. Absolutely. Recorded interviews. It's what we did in the (laughs) 6 o'clock hour. All right, we'll be be back on Sunday morning, 8 to 10 a.m., 9.30. Mike Golick Jr. will talk football with us. So uh, join us on Sunday morning. Chris Black here for Jonathan Hood. He's coming up next with Freddie Coleman on ESPN 1000. Have a great night.